The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is good, everybody? Welcome to another off-day debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Carrera. He is Brandon Lee Gouton. What is up, BLG? Stats, uh, football, not as fun when the team you are invested in loses. How about that? Ah, Yes, we are going to get to that. If you're new to the show, this is the show where we reset the state of the league with the only 100% accurate power rankings in all of NFL podcast fandom, kingdom, whatever you want to say. We're going to do our power rankings, obviously. Like I said, we have some oddities, some weird things that happened in week two we want to get to. But before all that, before the MVP and LVP points, before anything else, BLG, are you ready? Are you prepared? Did you, I don't know, drink some tea, do some vocal exercises. For anybody that doesn't know, BLG covers the Eagles for BGN. I cover the 49ers for Niners Nation. They played last week. We asked you, the listener, if you could set the stakes of our bet. Thanks to Rich Bobby, who suggested that we should have to sing the loser of this bet. If the 49ers lost, I was going to have to sing Fly, Eagles, Fly. If the Eagles lost, you were going to have to sing I Left My Heart in San Francisco. 49ers 17, Eagles 11, BLG, the show has started. The curtain is up. The floor is yours. All right, so some technical difficulties to start because I'm trying to figure out how I can play this because uh, I need the lyrics here. Uh, I was going to try to do the karaoke version, but every time I try to play it, stats, my headphones switch off of you and then go onto my phone. Excuses, so, uh, excuses. Typical I, no, I want to do it. I, I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just like trying to figure out logistically like how I do this without like screwing it up. Acapella, um, so, baby. Oh, well, here we go. So I'm um, like, don't say anything. I will just try to play this and see if it works. And I can't hear you right now because I'm taking out my headphone. So uh, uh, we're going to give it a shot as soon as it plays on my phone, which also is not playing. This is going off to a great start. Okay. (laughs) I need the music in the background. Loveliness of Paris seems somehow sadly gay. The glory that was Rome is of another day. I've been terribly alone 
and forgotten in Manhattan. I'm going home to my city by the I left my heart <laughs> in San Francisco. High on a hill. It calls to me. Okay. Okay. I can't take it anymore. That's, That's too good. much. That's good. Okay. And good and terrible. <laughs> you let me off easy. I'm satisfied. You do not need to go the whole way. I am satisfied. That was very good. Very well done by you. I like the pipes there. Very much like a baritone. Hey. If like I can sing anything, which I can't, but if I can sing anything, I would take like you know like a Frank Sinatra, you know like a crooner kind of mm. classical thing, the deep voice and everything. I and I like a Frank Sinatra, so uh, so this kind of worked out not as terribly as it could have for me, um, <laughs> and this probably wasn't worth it for anyone. But uh, there you go, stats you won. It was worth it for me. Uh, we're gonna get to that game. We'll break it down. I have a newfound respect for you. That is not easy to do. I thought you did an excellent job, so good job by you. Uh, yeah, I thought I could have done better, just like the Eagles could have done better stats. Um, you know, missed opportunities was the name of the game on Sunday, and it was frustrating because I felt like the Eagles could have beaten your 49ers. I think they outplayed them, honestly, especially early on. Jimmy G stunk. Stunk. Like, he left, stunk. He, left, he had what? Like, I can't, like, what do you get, 14 yards or whatever? And the, I, I, I don't even remember the numbers. I wasn't paying attention to your side of it as much. But uh, he stunk. He left so many plays on the field. I cannot see how your 49ers are a Super Bowl contender if they don't make the switch to Trey Lance at some point. Okay, see, well, like, this is the frustrating thing for me from a 49ers standpoint because there's a lot of Eagles fans that are like, yeah, we lost, but the 49ers aren't a Super Bowl contender. I mean, they barely beat us. But if the Eagles win the game... It's going to be like, oh, well, look, the Eagles are 2-0. They beat the 49ers. We're pretty good. Like, you can't have it both ways, right? Well, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I don't think the 49ers are a joke of a team. I have them 11th in my rankings. I have them holding steady there, by the way. Um, but I, they're not, like, one of the elites to me. They're not one of the true powers. Like, who is – like, I don't think anything the 49ers have done this season stats is striking hearts – or striking hearts, striking fear in the hearts of people. Again, like the Eagles could have won that game. The Eagles could have been up like 17 to zero. They weren't. And I get that. And I'm not saying the Eagles deserve kind of some moral victory, but I guess I thought I was going to be a little bit more impressed with the 49ers than I was. I had them scoring 30 points in this game. That was my prediction. It was the Eagles 33, uh, 49ers 30. I thought they were going to put up some, a lot of points because I think that's the strength of uh, your team there. At least it should be on paper. I was going to give them some slack if the defense was struggling. And to their credit, the defense played better than I expected, being as banged up that was it was. So I think they deserve a lot of credit. D'Amico Ryan, shout out, former Eagles linebacker, doing a good job there as the defensive <laughs> coordinator, it seems, early on. But uh, yeah, I just I wasn't blown away by the 49ers. I think they obviously are a good team, but I don't think they're really like a great team. I think the 49ers defense is absolutely fantastic. Even down a couple injuries in the secondary, I thought the Eagles challenged deep down the field a few times, which was smart by them to take some shots. Obviously, the 190-yard pass worked out, but for the most part, the 49ers' safeties held up. 
Nick Bosa looks absolutely like Nick Bosa again, which is unbelievable coming off a knee injury, which wasn't just an ACL injury. It was more than that. And I totally agree on Jimmy Garoppolo. He, I mean, they had 14 total yards in the first quarter, mm. zero first downs. And the more troubling thing for me is afterwards, Kyle Shanahan said he never really thought about putting in Trey Lance. It's like, if you're not going to put him in for that, like, what are we doing here? It was That's dumb, but the 49ers got the win. They're 2-0, and they play Green Bay Packers on Sunday Night Football in Week 3. If the Niners win that game, will you be more convinced? Uh, sure. I mean, yes, uh, I will be, to answer your question. Um, yeah, I honestly thought Jimmy G was going to get benched in that game. I was like, this is it's going to play out where like the Eagles are kind of doing well early on. Eagles defense holding up and then Jimmy D's going to get benched and then Trey Lance is going to come in and like make a run and then to make things a little bit more interesting. I, I kind of thought that's how that game was going to go. Yep. Alas, it did not. Uh, we'll get into this, I guess, a little bit later stats, not to, to totally give away my LVP, but like, it's just so crazy to me how I was talking about, you know, the vibes are good with everything with the Eagles and, I, and they were, I, I genuinely don't think that was wrong, but you know, the Eagles have that play where it's a dime of a touchdown pass from Jalen Hurts to Jalen Rager and the link is like going nuts and the Eagles yep. are up 10-0 at this point and it's like wow like this is a huge play and <laughs> and it didn't count because Mr. <laughs> Jalen Rager stepped out of bounds which just drives me insane how many sets you watch the NFL as a whole obviously I how do. many receivers do you ever see step out of bounds on route to the end zone not like it's not a play where like you know it's a red zone kind of play and a receiver accidentally steps out like i've seen that happen here and there i've never seen a receiver i don't think ever like step out of bounds on the way to the end zone on like a deep pass and then that nullify the catch like what is that it was surprising i want to give lenore a little credit because i thought he was squeezing rager to the sideline a little bit which is what you're supposed to do as a corner but, I mean, every corner tries to do that on every one of those routes. And like you said, I don't know that I've ever seen that before. So that that was a – like, that changes the game completely because the fact that the 49ers had one good drive, really with one good pass from Jimmy Garoppolo the whole half, but went into halftime with a lead, that changed the whole outlook of the game. And I just think that, the like you said, the Eagles could have won that game for sure. I thought Jalen Hurts did a really good job using his legs, especially in the second half. He really took advantage of some rush lanes that were opened up by the 49ers. The Eagles could have won that game, but you're right. that Mistakes like that, not getting any points after the 90-yard catch with a ridiculous <sighs> series of play calls by the Eagles. Um, the opportunities were left on the field for sure, and the 49ers, to their credit, took advantage. And I think the 49ers, uh, well, let me put it the other way. I think the Eagles are a team that very much can't survive those mistakes. You know, if like the Eagles were like the Chiefs, you know, or one of these better teams, they could they could have right. that sequence and be fine. But the Eagles can't do that. They're not that good. And I think that's what this game kind of told us about the Eagles if we're trying to take like, a bigger picture lesson here is that uh, – so it's, it's kind of weird because I think, you know, it's disappointing. It's a game you could have won. I think it could be costly too at the end of the year when you're looking at the NFC East and maybe it's only decided by one game. So this loss could absolutely hurt the Eagles this season. I don't think it changes much in the big picture. Like it's a bad game by Nick Sirianni. I don't think it means he's a failure of a head coach. It wasn't <laughs> the best game for Jalen Hurts. I don't think it means he can't be the franchise quarterback. I think it was just kind of like down games for them. It's some growing pains. I think if anything, it kind of like shores up the belief that a lot of people or expectation that a lot of people had about the Eagles going into the season, that they're probably like a seven and 10 or eight and nine kind of team. They're probably in that range. 
They're going to be interesting all year long. The Hurts development is going to be fascinating. Devontae Smith, they're good in the, along the lines. Along the line of scrimmage, the Eagles, especially in this game, played very, very well. They dominated the, the 49ers rush game. The Niners could not do anything on the ground. So Philly, I think Philly is going to be interesting all year long. Let's get to the rest of your power rankings now. Like I said, the only 100% accurate power rankings in all of NFL podcasts. Number one, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. No surprise. They have just looked like a wrecking crew so far this year. Number two, Kansas City Chiefs. Not dinging them at all for the loss to the Ravens. All right. Cleveland Browns at number three, holding steady. The Rams are up to number four. They go up three spots from number seven last week. The Cardinals jump up. They were nine last week. They are at five. Baltimore Ravens go from 13 to 6. The Seattle Seahawks go down from 6 to 7 after their disappointing loss. The Bills are up to 8, up from number 10. The Green Bay Packers, fresh off a win last night. They are at number 9, up three spots from last week. And the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, Mm. who were 20th coming into the week, are now filling out the top 10 of your power rankings Let's just start with Green Bay since they played last night. So the Packers get the win on Monday Night Football. Let's bring in Justice Mosqueda from Acme Packing Company. Justice, good morning. Good morning. How we doing? Great day to be alive, right, after a Packers win. Okay, well, let me ask you about that because Aaron Rodgers was, was, you know, trying to throw some shade at people after the game, acting like, oh, everything's okay now because we beat the Lions. Like, be honest, at halftime of this game when the Packers are losing – you were a little nervous, weren't you? Uh, I tweeted that like my anxiety levels were 11 out of 10. So yeah, yeah, I, I wasn't feeling great. It's it's funny how uh, Rogers really turned the like no one believes in us thing right around. I mean, he's doing like finger gun stuff on the field. He's telling people like, I can't believe they're they're making this stuff up. It, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I was feeling uneasy, Justice. I'm not even a Packers fan. I was feeling uneasy for the Packers as I was watching this as they were as there. I was like, are the Lions just like better than like a little bit better than people think? Uh, not quite. Uh, Justice, how to what extent do you feel like the 49ers, not the 49ers, the stats do? To what extent do you feel like the Packers turn the corner? Because I feel like stats isn't believing it. I'm not. Well, they got over the hump of like, hey, New Orleans came out in too high and just dared them to run the ball. And it kind of caught them by surprise, you know. Uh, Rogers and Lafleur said that. I talked to AJ Dillon the day after um, the Week One game, and he said the same thing. Where, you know, they thought they were going to get one thing. The Saints came out in something completely different, and then by the time that they could like adjust, um, they were like six plays into the offense, down seventeen with a minute left in the first half because they just couldn't get uh, New Orleans' offense off the field. I mean, they were just. Uh, holding on to the ball. And uh, I I believe New Orleans had back-to-back 15-play scoring drives. Um, First time that's ever happened since 2000. So it was kind of an anomaly of a game. I mean, definitely kind of like a week one type of situation. I don't know if that game plays out the same way, you know, midseason. But Green Bay got over that hump. Um, Detroit was playing them the same way. I mean, they were playing their safeties like 15 yards off. just begging, you know, hey, run at me with Aaron Jones, throw screens, throw a quick game. And, you know, Aaron Jones caught, I believe, three uh, touchdown receptions. Um, Robert Tanyan was catching, like, tight end screens 
all night. Uh, they were willing to run the ball and just make at what once they could get to a point where they could outscore Detroit's offense. Um, it completely changed the game. I mean, Detroit wanted the ball to start the game. Uh, they won the toss. They wanted the ball. They went down the field and they scored. Um, I, I kind of think that that's kind of how teams are going to want to play Green Bay, try to get them into a deficit early. Um, their defense is a little uh, vanilla until they until they get a lead and then just keep two high safeties, try to keep uh, Rodgers bottled up, I guess. I thought the whole game changed on the first possession of the second half for the Lions. You know, the Packers come out, they get the ball, they score. It's 21-17. The Lions are moving the ball downfield. They get to the Green Bay 25-yard line. It's fourth and one, and I give Dan Campbell all the credit in the world because the only way the Lions are going to pull off an upset in this game is if they get aggressive and go for it on fourth down. And, of course, the Lions don't convert. Green Bay gets the ball back, and what happens? They go down and score again. To me, the whole game shifted on that fourth down play. A hundred percent. That was definitely when it felt, I mean, you know, everyone can have their opinion on momentum and stuff like that, but that's really when it felt like it shifted, where it was like, okay, they got they got a possession back. They have the ball now. The other thing that I will say um, that definitely helped Green Bay down the stretch, too, is Melifonu got hurt, um, and they just – I mean, the defensive back injuries that Detroit had, uh, they just ran out of NFL players, basically. I mean, they had to play sa- <laughs> they had to play a safety out there. And Melifonu was running stride for stride with MVS um, all game. I mean, he can run with the best of them, uh, both of those guys. If you, if you look at the stat sheet, uh, MVS got like four targets, zero receptions. And they did a pretty good job of bottling him up. I mean... Devontae got like one big reception, I think. And then other than that, I mean, it's just like chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. What concerns, Justice, do you have, if any, coming out of this game? And uh, then why are the Packers going to beat the 49ers next week? Because Stats is really confident that it's not going to happen. And, you know, they're going to uh, – Aaron Rodgers is going to go into uh, Levi's Stadium and, uh, and, and lose. But, uh, yeah, tell me why that's wrong. Uh, I don't know if that's wrong. <laughs> Look at his face. Look at his face, BLG. He knows. You're nervous, Justice, right? I mean, I'm, it's going to be very nervous. crazy in week three. Yeah. I mean, still Kyle Shanahan. Uh, you still have a Bosa, which is which just freaks me out still <laughs> to this day. I mean, I know the Niners got a lot of weird stuff going on, like skill position-wise. Um, but, I mean, hey, Kittle's still healthy. Kittle's still a matchup nightmare. The biggest thing for Green Bay – they got to get something out of their defensive line. I mean, Zadarius Smith had a back injury, um, played a little bit in week one, and then went on IR. He's probably going to be back in like three weeks. Preston Smith is having a much better year than he had last year. But like Rashawn Gary, he's going to bull rush you, and there, you might as well roll dice. Like there's a 50% chance he's going to get a great bull rush and just like reset how the quarterback has to play in the pocket, or he's just going to completely lose contain, and you could just get around him for a first down. Um, on the defensive line, like in terms of like the uh, three, four, uh, like actual defensive linemen, they're not getting anything out of these guys. It's two weeks. They don't have a tackle for loss yet. They got a sack wow. and it, it was because Jared Goff caught the ball in the rain and then dropped the ball. And then Rashawn Gary was just like near him. So they credited him with the sack. So, yeah, I mean, the defensive line right now, they're they're barely getting anything out of any of these guys. Kenny Clark is obviously getting double teamed, but. I mean, they're out there with uh, 
Tyler Lancaster and Dean Lowry, and it's just not getting the job done. I mean, that's one of the major reasons why, uh, you know, against New Orleans, they just weren't able to get off the field. I mean, they were just getting pushed off the ball a little bit. And I know New Orleans and Detroit both have uh, pretty good offensive lines, but so does San Francisco. So it's going to – you're going to keep seeing these teams. And, in you know, in the playoffs, if you get there, San Francisco is still going to be there. Tampa's going to be there. So they got to figure something out on the defensive line because they can't get ran, ran at like this. So last one, uh, Aaron Rodgers said, hey, we got the trolls off our back. I've contended if the 49ers go out and beat the Packers in week three, Green Bay will be one and two. All those trolls will be back, won't they? Right back. Right back. Yeah, 100%. Um, Aaron Rodgers brought a lot of attention to himself, and a lot of people aren't going to forget about that. I mean, especially on the national level, it seems like the reaction after week one was, hey, how can you make all that noise about I, I need more pieces around me and then put up uh what was it like a 23 quarterback rating or something like that in week one uh worst game but you know I really do think that that week one game was more of an anomaly outside of the fact that like their defensive line is going to struggle against the run and it's going to be it's going to be hard for this defense to get off the field if they keep playing vanilla which seems to be what Joe Barry wants to do I mean if you look at the Detroit game they were playing as vanilla against um the Lions, as they did against the Saints in week one, up until they got up like a like a full touchdown. And then all their like weird pressure stuff, the Fangio type defense stuff ends up coming out. So I think that's kind of their plan defensively is just like make the offense have to play like perfect. Don't get too aggressive. Make them earn, you know, 15 play drives down the field and keep up with Aaron Rodgers in a shootout in that way. And then once you get the lead, then you could start sending blitzes from every direction. It's, it's probably not a bad way to think about football. And it makes a lot of sense on paper, especially if the quarterback uh, for your offense is Aaron Rodgers. The only problem is it's just so vanilla that like, there's no change up and you kind of know exactly what you're going to get. Um, and it's, it's tough to watch. I mean, like we said, halftime anxiety levels, 11 out of 10, and then they they break away in the second half. Um, that's a stressful way to watch football games. Justice Muscada from Acne Packing Company, also the SP Nation NFL show, NFL University, NFL Reacts. You're everywhere, man. Thanks for a few minutes this morning. Yeah, guys. Take care. Anytime. I don't think the 49ers is good as a they, – they shouldn't be a 3-0 team. Like, they're not that great. They're not this amazing juggernaut team. They beat the Lions. Great. Moral loss. They beat the Eagles. Great. Moral loss. loss. Yeah, could have lost. Well, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of things could have happened, but they didn't. Hmm. I mean, if we're going to talk what they could have lost, you have the Arizona Cardinals at five in your rankings, and the, the Vikings missed a field goal at the end of the game that was basically an extra point. So don't tell me about what could have happened, because if you're going by that, how did the Cardinals go up from nine to five? It's all about the quarterback, baby. Kyler's looking like an MVP candidate. He's he looking amazing. Believes- and that matters to me. So it's not just about like, so my power rankings, just to give a little bit of explanation here uh, and why they're hundred percent accurate stats is because <laughs> they're all about feel baby. That's the only thing that matters. Like, you know, I, I, I get these responses sometimes to my rankings like, Oh, this team lost. So you have to move them down. That's not always how it works. Like there's, there's more nuance to things than just looking at like, like, it's almost like people want like the standings. It's like, no, right. this isn't the standings. It's power rankings. There's, it's a different element. Uh, it, it's not as like black and white as that. It's, it's all about feel. And I feel with the Cardinals stats uh, that 
with their offense, which has the second most points in the NFL so far, only behind the Bucks, and with Kyler taking that big step forward, I think that's a big deal for them. Um, I, I think that means a lot. I know it was a close game and they could have lost at the end there, but like you said, they didn't. And I think that Kyler playing well portends to the rest of the season. So it's not just about, you know, like how I'm feeling about them necessarily just after week two as it is how I feel about them moving forward. Does it worry you at all that Kyler Murray put up 400 yards, four touchdowns, and they basically still should have lost this game? Like, he played out of this world, and they were still set to lose. Does that give you any pause at all? Not really, because I think they have playmakers on defense. You know, I don't think it's a perfect defense, but, you know, your your MVP last week, Chandler Jones, stats, he's going to make some big plays. Uh, Buda Baker can make some big they have guys who can make big plays on that defense and I think that's enough it's not going to be a perfect unit you want guys who can turn the ball over and kind of give that offense more opportunities so um am I all in on the Cardinals no but I like the way they're trending right now I think Kyler playing as well as he is is a big deal obviously neither of us are really the biggest Cliff Kingsbury fans but one of the things I did like about Kingsbury heading into I believe last year's second year um was that how much of a, 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 a leap that the offense took um, in Kyler's year one, where it went from being so bad originally um, before Kingsbury got there to like not good, but like respectable or just kind of like decent. And obviously, I think one of Kingsbury's strengths when like you get you, <laughs> you get past the game management or mismanagement sometimes and everything is that there can be offensive success when things are clicking. He can get an offense cooking, and that's what you're seeing right now. I want to go to number three, the Cleveland Browns. Um... Baker Mayfield, aside from ridiculously trying to make a tackle after throwing an interception and where he hurts his shoulder, like he never should have been involved in that at any point. Baker Mayfield has nine incompletions the entire season. Like, and I know that people like to say, well, it's the running game and it's a lot of play action. It's like, yeah, well, that's what everybody's doing because it works. But like, I think Baker is, is showing out. I know he doesn't have a ton of touchdowns right now, two total touchdowns on the year, but I think Baker deserves a little more credit for how he's playing. And I, I like the Browns, and I don't know if they're the third best team in the league, but they're definitely in the top five. I think they're up there, obviously, because I have them up there. I have them number <laughs> three. Um, I, 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 was, I was tempted to put the Rams above them, but I, I just think the Browns are solid. I know RJ is mad that I moved the Browns up last week after they lost to the Chiefs, but I think that was a really – they showed a lot. And, again, that's about how you feel about this team. And I can't say I have complete confidence in Baker Mayfield to the point where it's like no questions asked. Like, I'm lying to myself. If I, I, I'm, I think he's playing well right now. And I, I'm sure a lot of Browns fans have a ton of confidence in him. But to me, on the outside looking in, there's like just I don't know if you feel the same way stats, but like there's that little part of you that's just like you don't feel 100 percent confident in him. And maybe that will continue to go away as he plays really well, like he is at the start of the season and totally agree with you. Don't make the tackle. You're, you're going to be OK. There's there's <laughs> a lot more games left to play. It's the Houston Texans also. Like, it's not like <laughs> you're playing, you know, the Chiefs and like you really need this win. I think you're going to be okay not tackling the Houston Texans and still being able to pull it out. Um, but am I crazy there? Is there any part of you still as like a little voice in your head like that doesn't fully buy in on Baker, even if it's just a small part? I'm trying to be objective because I really like Baker Mayfield. I just think he's an interesting person. I love that he has personality, that he's not afraid to show it. I feel like he's pretty honest when it comes to press conferences and stuff like that. It's exactly the kind of player I want my quarterback to be. Uh, but, you know, I think that if you just try to keep it objectively on the field, I do think that when it comes to having to put the game on his back, 
I haven't seen Baker have to do that. And I don't mean that as a knock to him. I just mean I haven't really seen it yet. That's all. And so until I see it, I can't, you know, have complete faith in him. Does that make sense? It's almost like a nervousness to me. It's not like I think he sucks. It's not that's not the issue. It's just like I want to believe in this guy, but there's just that little part that makes you like, oh no, like what if I'm putting my stock into this guy and he proves me wrong and then I look like a fool or whatever. So uh, it's like you want to buy in, but it's just that little part of you holding you back. Um, but on the whole, again, I feel pretty good about the Browns' uh, outlook. I think they have a lot going for them. I think they are the second best team in the AFC. And that's why I have him up at number three. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll do our MVP and LVP points. And we'll get to our oddity of week two. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on the off-day debrief. All right, BLG, it's time for our MVP and LVP points of the week. This week, I get two MVP points and one LVP. You get the reverse. I give you the floor. Where are you going first? I'm going to start with MVP and kind of, uh, I'm not going to bring Kyle Barber onto the show just yet. <laughs> uh, maybe later. Uh, nice surprise for the Monday football Monday crew, mainly Pete, obviously, who was getting ambushed by RJ. Uh, I respect it. Um, I once upon a time ambushed RJ on the Monday Football Monday podcast, so that was fun. Uh, obviously, he's just copying me once again because he has no new ideas, so that's fine. Um, I have Lamar Jackson as my MVP stats. That was a big win for the Chiefs. Now, did Lamar play perfectly? You look at the box score. No, he didn't. But this was about him getting the monkey off of his back. Uh, and it's almost kind of like going to the Ravens as a whole because that wasn't an ideal situation. They're banged up. They're playing on the road. Or no, sorry, they're playing on the road in week one. On a short week, they need to travel back home to play the big, bad Kansas City Chiefs, a team that you just can't beat. And it felt like, you know, that's a game the Chiefs should win. Everything is going for them. But the Ravens needed that win more. And I think that's why they pulled it out in part, because like they couldn't go down 0-2. They couldn't lose to this team yet again. And they pulled it out. And I think Lamar deserves a lot of credit for leading them through that, um, even if he wasn't perfect. So I'm giving him my MVP point. Yeah, I think that's sort of what we have to realize when it comes to Lamar. Uh, I think this is a Max Kellerman saying, but I always liked it. Don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Like, he's never going to be perfect, but that doesn't mean he can't be really, really great and obviously good enough to beat, you know, the team or one of the teams we think is the best in the sport. He had two interceptions. Yeah, I know. But he also ran for 107 yards, had two touchdowns on the ground. He threw for a touchdown. Like, we got to stop 
you know, putting this ridiculous standard on Lamar Jackson that he has to live up to. It's just he's not going to conform to, like, our normal standards for a quarterback. He's a different type of player, but he can be, when he's at his best, good enough to beat anybody, and we saw it in Baltimore against the Chiefs. I mean, that argument here, you know, uh, not to say, you know, again, we've been out on Lamar Jackson by any means, but like the big thing is we need the results, right? Like I know the process is great and I, I'm look, I'm all about a process. Uh, you know, obviously I love the 76ers and everything, but the results have to be there too. And we haven't seen those with Lamar in the postseason, and that, you know, box has still very much yet to be checked. Would like to see him get to an AFC championship game. I think that's really important, but uh, I mean, this portends well, I think down the road, the fact that you're able to beat the big bad chiefs, you know, again, it could be a different story when you're doing it at Arrowhead stadium and then in the playoffs, just because you beat them in week two, doesn't mean you're going to do that again, but at least like they know it's possible now. They're like, okay, we've beaten this team. We have a confidence. We can go out and do this. And more importantly than anything, stats might be like the Ravens played with the model to beat the chiefs in terms of like, they weren't afraid. They weren't afraid to lose to the chiefs. They wanted to go win. They played aggressive and they did, and they deserve that win. 100%. I know this wasn't a playoff game, but I do think it's a little more than just, oh, a random week two game. The Ravens were coming off a gut punch of a loss against the Raiders in week one. If they lose to the Chiefs, they're 0-2. Everybody knows the stat. Basically, 11% of teams that have started 0-2 have made the playoff. Like, you don't make the playoffs if you're 0-2 generally. So I thought it was not a must win, but it was an important game for Lamar, and he got it done. Congrats to the Ravens. Congrats to Lamar Jackson. My first MVP of the week, I got to give it to Derrick Henry of the Titans. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did not have a good week one. They're down 24-9 to at one point, and then touchdown Titans, Derrick Henry. Touchdown Titans, Derrick Henry. Touchdown Titans, Derrick Henry. 35 carries, 182 yards, the three touchdowns, this guy is unlike any running back I can remember in recent history. Just give him the ball 30 times a game and get out of his way. You're just waiting for Derrick Henry not to be Derrick Henry anymore, right? Because like he's touched the ball so many times. It's like, how can he continue to do this? And he just does. And, and you can't stop it when he does. He, he went off in a big way uh, against the Seahawks in a game that the Titans really needed after having such a bad week one loss. Like, yep. like it, arguably the most disappointing week. I mean, obviously you could say the Packers were up there, but I mean, just for the t- Titans to get totally clowned like they did uh, in week one was pathetic. And for Derrick Henry to get back on track and the Titans kind of to get back in their identity on the road in Seattle, um, that's really big. Uh, 182 yards, I believe, uh, Derrick Henry yep. had stats. Uh, shout out to Blink-182, Mark Hoppus, Tom DeLong, Travis Barker, and uh, Matt Skiba, actually filling in for Tom DeLong now, who's no longer with the band. Uh, I just want to give a little shout out there, like I did in my power ranking. So there we go. Are you a Blink-182? You're obviously a Blink-182 fan. I mean, yeah, stats, of course I was. Growing up, uh, big, big time. Uh, Mark Hoppus is an Eagles fan. I got to meet Mark Hoppus. That was very cool. Uh, he has cancer right now, and that sucks, and we're hoping he gets better. So positive vibes out to him. All right. Well, my last MVP we kind of already talked about, and that's Kyler Murray. Again, mm. you know, 400 yards, three total touchdowns, nine total touchdowns in two weeks. And, and you know, maybe I'm just slow to give Cliff Kingsbury credit, but when I watch the Cardinals play, I feel like Kyler's success is not because of scheme. It's because of Kyler. He's scrambling around, dodging defenders, jump throws, 
fall away, fading back throws to Christian Kirk. Like I, I feel like Kyler is successful because of his incredible ability on the field. And so that's why it makes it even more impressive to me what he's doing, because I don't think he's necessarily getting the help from the scheme like some other players do. Uh, shout out to old friend Benjamin Solak, formerly a Bleeding Green Nation, now with the ringer, who I think believe once coined like the way Kyler Murray runs is like a scamper. You know, it's, it's like different. It's not like every quarterback, like, like all running quarterbacks are not the same in their styles. Kyler like scampers around out there, whether that's actually uh, running and taking off and kind of weaving through defenders or it's, you know, behind the line of scrimmage and he's scrambling. Um, so it's fun to watch when he's doing that and succeeding. So obviously, uh, a, a real MVP point too here in the sense that again, if I'm not mistaken, I think I saw some of the odds before this show stats, the odd cast, and I saw that Kyler has like the best odds, even better than Tom Brady to win MVP. So uh, look at that. Um, good pick by you. And yeah. All right. Who's up for your uh, LVP? So I have two LVPs and they are like ridiculously on brand. It's like, Oh, here we go. Are they uh, both Eagles. <laughs> no, only one of them is stats, uh, but one is a former Eagle, and it's Carson Wentz. Uh, I think, how can you not give Carson Wentz an LVP? Uh, I have seen a lot of things that have suggested it's actually not his fault, even though uh, he has the fifth or sixth longest time to throw. Last time I checked on NFL Next Gen stats, even after week two. Uh, so it's like the, the, he was up there in week one, the fifth lowest time to throw. You'd think that maybe they'd want to get the ball out a little quicker so he isn't holding the ball behind an offensive line. That might not be as good, I guess, as everyone thought it was going to be heading into the season. Uh, I think Carson Wentz, but even bigger than all that, is he's hurt again. He is somehow not one stats, but both ankles are hurt. And I think part of that <laughs> Like it's not always easy or it's not easy, I guess, in general to blame a guy for getting hurt. Cause obviously there's like a bad luck factor in here, but when you're getting hurt as, as often as Carson Wentz is, I mean, some of that is him like holding onto the ball, taking hits, not knowing when to get to the next play. Like someone, you know, this is obviously an extreme example, uh, best players ever, Tom Brady, like, you know, who knows how to get to the next play and protect himself. Carson Wentz does not know how to protect himself. And that's a big issue. Now the Colts are 0 and 2. And if the season ended today, stats, which let me check here, it does not. So the season is not ending today. Um, and obviously, uh, because of the way the Colts can protect this pick, uh, if they want to, and bench Carson Wentz. But right now, if you look at the 2022 20, NFL draft order on tankathon.com, oh, the Colts will be sending the fifth overall pick to the Eagles, stats. Like, that's where we're at right now. I know that's not going to be the way it ends at the end of the season, but like, that is currently in the universe of happening uh, or, or the, the realm of possibility. So I think Carson Wentz and this whole Colts thing is not off to a good start. They're 0-2. They have the Titans up this week, and Jacob Eason might be starting. You fall down to 0-3. You lose a key divisional game. I mean, the Colts stats are dangerously close to being thrown into the pit of misery. Ooh, you mentioned Carson Wentz not taking care of his body. He plays football like he dislikes his body. It's almost like he's trying to get hurt with how long he holds the ball. He, like you said, he sprained every ankle he has. I, I, are we going to see a picture of Carson Wentz in, like, two walking boots at the same time? Like, it's unbelievable how reckless he is out there at times. Uh, it has not been great for Carson Wentz. It's the second straight week since he's been with the Colts that you've dogged him on this show. Uh, you probably mm. won't get the chance to do it next week because I don't think he's going to play. But, uh, yeah, it has not gone smoothly for the Colts or Carson Wentz. Who's your other LVP? 
My other LVP is Jalen Rager, who I brought up earlier. I just, I can't get it out of my head. That's the only thing. That's not the only thing. It's the biggest thing I'm thinking about after that Eagles lost stats because it turned the whole like vibe of the season, which is early, but it, it really did around. Like again, the Eagles could have been up 10 to zero. Instead, that play is called back. The Eagles end up having to settle for a field goal attempt, which gets blocked. And like, that's a huge, that's a, such a big deal the, that sucked the air out of the link on Sunday. Like people were so happy and like that place was exploding when Rager catches that touchdown and it's taken away and, and it's a gut punch. It takes the wind out of your sails. It's such a killer play. I had said last week when John Rager scored on that screen, like I am not thinking this all of a sudden means he's turned a corner and it's kind of like Nelson Aguilar vibes all over again in terms of like a very obviously oh talented. <laughs> well, it's like a player is talented objectively. You know, look at the testing numbers and some of the plays he can make in theory. But like in reality, there's just never a clean performance with him stats. There's always an issue. And that was happening in training camp. I was saying this like, OK, everyone saw him made that one handed catch, which, by the way, again, was in one of ones and not in a team drill. But OK, he makes that catch. And then like he drops a couple later in practice. And then he has a penalty or a pre-snap penalty. Like there's always this other shoe to drop with him. And that's so frustrating to me. And I, again, I really think it threw up the vibe of the Eagle season entirely. Not saying he's the only reason he lost, but that was a big play. It was a huge deal. Uh, you lose that game by what? 17 to 11. You left a yeah. touchdown on the board. Like you did there. Uh, obviously the Nick Sirianni stuff was really uh, a bad thing too. And he deserves the blame, but man, I have to give it to Rager understandable like games in the NFL are close they often shift on one or two plays and the fact that he stepped out of bounds there and that play came off the board I totally agree it changed the entire complexion of that game my LVP is Jameis Winston and it's very clearly like we all I shouldn't say we all so many people were singing his praises because he threw five touchdowns in week one and had like 150 yards and everyone thought oh Sean Payton and Jameis Winston he fixed him he had the LASIK, and now Sean Payton fixed him, and everything's going to be good. No, no. Jameis Winston turned back into a pumpkin last week. We saw it 11 of 22, 50% completions, 111 yards, two interceptions, including one hideous Jameis special right before halftime where he's scrambling out, he's falling down, and he throws up a flutterer right in the middle of the field where two players could have picked it off. I mean, this guy is the guy we've always seen, and I don't know why people don't want to admit it. You know, Sean Payton is not a wizard. He can't just magically make Jameis stop doing stupid things out there. And once again, we saw it. He stunk. The Saints lost. And I'm just saying, get ready for more of that, people, because that's who this guy is. So I think the Saints are going to be one of the hardest teams to rank on a weekly basis stats in the power rankings. I have them, I had them what, like fourth or whatever it was last week, had them high up because that was a really impressive win over the Packers. But then this is a really bad loss to the Panthers. And I stuck them at 16 in part because I think that's where I like to stick teams when I just don't know what exactly to make of. They're just like, smack dab in the middle and they can kind of go up or down from there. I think Jameis is going to have some pretty good games or at least like some ones are at least a little bit closer to week one than they were to week two. Like the Saints, I don't think all of a sudden they're going to be a bottom five team and, and all this this losing is going to be what's next. I think he's going to have some good games. He's going to have some bad games, kind of like we talk about Brian Fitzpatrick a lot. Uh, I think that's the quarterback he is. And obviously the Saints have some other talent on their roster uh, to kind of make things work and, and kind of help him out here and there. But uh, this is what this team is going to be. They're going to be up. They're going to be down. And you're probably not going to seriously contend with that. And I don't even know where you finish in the NFC South with that. 
uh, other than not last because the Falcons are terrible. So, uh, <laughs> like, in theory, though, to me, I mean, they're not going to win the division because the Bucks are there. But, I mean, they could finish second or third. Um, they could potentially make a wild card spot. Like, I don't think that's out of the question. But, I mean, I don't feel great about it. Yeah, I, I don't feel great about it at all. You know, I'm down on the Saints. I, I never hid that fact. And uh, I just don't see it. I'm sorry. And I, I hate to drag on them, you know, when their season is so young. But I'm clearly going to do it. So, there you go. All right, uh, one oddity I want to get to of the week, BLG, and it's David Culley mm. of the Houston Texans, who made, I don't, e- I don't even know how to explain it, okay? The situation is he declined a penalty that the Browns committed on third down, but then punted on fourth down. It made no sense, right? So the Texans gained 13 yards on third and 15. The Browns jump off sides, right? So Cully had two choices. He could either keep his offense on the field and try to pick up the first down on third and ten, or go for it on fourth and two. So he chooses to make it fourth down, but then doesn't go for it. Like, what the hell are you doing, man? Field position is like the most overrated thing. And fo- like f- football coaches are obsessed with it. I mean, just think about it from like a standpoint of you can throw a pass as a quarterback. You don't even have to be a great quarterback necessarily. You don't even have to be a great receiver, but you can throw up a pass up in the air. And if the defensive back like runs into you even by accident or whatever, or even if it's kind of close, they're probably going to give you a pass interference penalty. So like, you know, there, there could be like the punts difference right there from just one thing that isn't even like super deserved. So field position, overrate it. Overrated. Uh, always be aggressive, pretty much. Uh, and yeah, just don't don't be a coward. Don't never be a coward. It never pays off. <laughs> uh, and to his credit, he admitted like it was a mistake and he screwed it up, which is fine. But like, you should never like that's easy. That that's just an easy thing that should never ever be screwed up. And it doesn't inspire a ton of confidence when you are the head coach. All right, BLG, that's going to do it for this edition of the Off Day Debrief. If you haven't done it yet, please subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. If you leave a question in your review, by law, we have to answer it on the program, and we happily will do that. Thanks to you, BLG. I'll talk to you next week, everybody, and uh, see you then.